I invite you to open up a copy of God's Word uh, to Psalm 40. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible underneath the seats, you'll find it on page 468. 468, Psalm 40. the Psalms, which we know to be, was for the early church, it is for us today, uh, the, the, the prayer book, really, of the church, or the song book of the church. And, and being that, the Psalms are given, at least partly, to stir up within us, to stir up our thoughts, to stir up our affections, to awaken uh, what often is already within us, so that our our prayers, our true prayers from the heart before the Lord, so that our, our praises, our exclamations that come out from a knowledge of the Lord, from that which we know to be true, that which we ourselves can attest to. And so given that, I'm going to give you kind of a crude illustration, uh, and, and that is that the Psalms serve a bit like a stir stick does with coffee. Uh, now, if you're like me, I'm not a fan of black coffee, and I apologize to those who are. You like your coffee black, that's, that's great, but, but I don't. And so I know very well that I can take, and I usually use dry creamer, so I can take dry creamer and I can put it in, in a cup of coffee, and I can even put some sugar into that coffee. Uh, but the coffee remains black. I look at it, and it's black, and if I were to take a taste of it, it's still, to me, got that kind of bitterness, bitter taste uh, often. But then you take a stir stick and you stir it up and all of a sudden it comes alive. And it is at that point exactly what I need often to awaken my day first thing in the morning and to help me throughout the day. And I, again, I apologize for the illustration there, but that's, that's what the Psalms help us with. They awaken us within and they, they, they bring to life this relationship with the Lord. They, they give it expression. And that occurs in the midst of the circumstances of our lives, whatever those circumstances might be. Uh, and often the Psalms are expressions of praise and thanksgiving, aren't they? Uh, that's one of the types of psalms that we most commonly uh, see and turn to in the Psalter. But almost just as often, they are also psalms of lament uh, and even complaint. You know, about a third of, of the Psalter uh, contains psalms of lament. And, and, and that is because the Lord is our help, whether it's in our highest moments or in the midst of our lowest moments. And so we need to be stirred up inside. And so the psalm that we're opening up to this morning, Psalm 40, happens to be one of those rare psalms that contains both. Both. It's, it's a psalm of, of praise and thanksgiving, the first ten verses. But then verses 11 and following are really a psalm of lament. Uh, and so as I read this psalm this morning, as we open it up with one another as well, uh, allow this to enliven your relationship with the Lord so that you're reminded what the Lord has done in the past, in your past, what, what He's accomplished in, in your life 
in the past so that it becomes a help to you in the present, whether it's in the midst of moments of rejoicing or in the midst of moments of mourning, both of which come into our lives. So again, Psalm 40, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. Uh, this is a psalm of, of David. He said, I've waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that we, like David, can see and know you as our help and our deliverer. Uh, we pray that you would give eyes, give us eyes to be able to see this in this psalm this morning, ears to be able to hear it truly. Uh, help us to take this and to apply it uh, to our hearts and stir us up inside, we pray, O oh Lord, uh, that we might live our lives out of this in a way that honors and pleases you, in a way that accomplishes 
that which you desire to accomplish through our lives. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have at our house a, a cat. I've spoken about this cat before. A cat who has received um, help, particular help, from certain members of our household uh, that shall remain unnamed. But when this cat was very small, she was a young kitten. Uh, at that time, she was, when we first uh, knew of her, she was delivered out of the cold and out from many, no doubt, distressful situations. And that was maybe two or three years ago. And, and funny thing, but she now returns constantly to our house again and again to receive help. And she gets it. Uh, every day almost and every evening she comes and she receives help. She keeps coming back. I know you can't imagine that, but she keeps coming back. Uh, now she previously, uh, we've told the story before, but she previously belonged to a neighbor. It was their cat. Uh, and then there came a time when the neighbor finally said, hadn't seen the cat for a long time, and said, no, no, the cat's, cat's yours. You, you, you've had her for so long. You've taken care of her, given her help. Uh, and so she's, she belongs to you now in every area except for vet bills. I haven't owned that yet. But, uh, so uh, in, in this psalm that we're looking at this morning, the psalmist, David, has received help. At some point in the past, he's received help from the Lord. This may not just be on one occasion, but it may be on many occasions. And he's come to, he had come to a point then in his life uh, in which he knew darkness and he, he knew hopelessness. Uh, and, and he calls it here, you'll see it in uh, verse 2, he calls it the pit of destruction and the miry bog. And from his description, this has got to be a place in which uh, things, uh, darkness was closing in upon him. It seemed like there was no way out. Uh, and we, we know about this, where there's this overall, uh, all-encompassing sense of despair that enters in. Now, this could have been due something due to a sickness in his life, or I think more likely due to danger, uh, as we see in, in David's life many occasions when he was face to face with death. But it also could be, and certainly it applies to us in this way, metaphorical for a realization that everything in this world that we've begun to depend upon, to place our, our hope and our joy in, is at best temporary. Uh, and will ultimately fail us. Have you ever been in that place where you've come to that recognition, whether it's through some physical event in your life, in your family perhaps, uh, or just through this recognition that all of the things that in this world that we're given that we depend upon will ultimately fail us. A place in which you saw no way out. Now, what, what does David say that he did at this point? I'll just note, there's nothing here about self-help books. There's nothing here about a therapist. There's nothing here uh, about 
meds that were taken, no worldly advice. David, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps uh, and continue on. No, he did one thing. He cried out to the Lord. Clearly, it was in full dependence upon him. And then he, he waited patiently, it says. Now, somewhere, clearly, David had heard and he came to know and he came to believe that the Lord waits to deliver those who cry out to him. Uh, out of Joel chapter 2, there are many places, Old Testament and New, that we could turn to. Joel chapter 2, it shall come to pass that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's the setting, that's the backdrop. And, and look at the results that follow from his crying out. He says, uh, and this is verse 1, he says, He inclined to me, some versions, he turned to me. Then he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock. He made my steps secure. Now, remember for a moment the helplessness and the hopelessness of the psalmist of David. And then look here at what happened, what followed from that cry to the Lord. It's all His doing. It's all the Lord's doing. It's His deliverance. It's kind of like that that cat that came to see us. The name, by the way, is Gracie. That's a very appropriate name in this case. Uh, but the only thing that that kitten did, the very first time that she came to our house, was this pitiful cry at the door. And we heard, someone heard that cry and opened the door. Uh, and from that moment on, we were her help. Uh, but it... It really serves as a great illustration for who the Lord is to us because that's exactly what He calls us to do, to cry out. And we see what happened with a cat every day, every evening, coming back again and again and again and receiving help. Well, that's what this psalm is all about. One who in the past cried out to the Lord. You might even call it a pitiful cry out to the Lord. There was no help anywhere else uh, that was going to be forthcoming. And yet the Lord heard and the Lord provided. And therefore, now for David and for us, that's the implication of this psalm, uh, that we continue. If we have once been delivered by the Lord, we have known His deliverance, then day after day after day, our hearts should be drawn to Him, to depend upon Him. But what do we need? We need to be stirred up sometimes. We need to be reminded, and that's what this psalm brings to us, that this is uh, exactly what we need to, to know and to do. We need to know that the Lord is the one who is our deliverer and our provider. He is the one who helps us. He was there at the beginning, uh, and that help that He gave continues. And so we cry out, we are to cry out to Him uh, in all that life brings us day after day. Now, I just want to mention there is something here to watch out for in this psalm. Uh, many people would say that the Lord is the one who, who helps me with life. He's been there for me, He's aided me, uh, He's provided for me, He's helped me out of challenging spots. 
at times he, he's met my needs. Uh, something sort of like a benevolent grandfather who is always there, always encouraging, and, and provides good gifts for me. But that's not what this psalm is talking about at all. This is not about a benevolent grandfather uh, sort of helper. No, he's the one who drew me up from the pit of destruction when I had nowhere else to turn. I was completely without hope and drew me out of the miry bog, set my feet upon a rock, and made my steps secure. This is the God that the psalmist is talking about and the one that he has experienced. So that this, the deliverance uh, of the Lord, the help that we've experienced in the past, becomes that, that present uh, understanding that we have of our God. And so we seek day after day His help. Uh, and what does that result in us? It results, first of all, in an expression of thanksgiving and praise. And yet also, it results in an expression to our God of lament. And so we can say out of this that when you know this God as your help in that way, that number one, you can live your life out of a sense of thanksgiving and trust every day. And secondly, you can live your life in perseverance and hope in the midst of any trouble. And so first of all, when you know that this God is your help, you can live out of thanksgiving and trust day after day. You know, we see this especially in the psalm, verses 3 through 10. All of this brings out that, that heart of thanksgiving for the Lord, a, a heart of love for the Lord, a trust in Him that comes from having experienced deliverance at His hand. And, and so this is the changed heart. This is describing the changed life that comes from knowing the Lord as, uh, as Garth preached from uh, Psalm 16 last week. He is the one who says, remember David said, I have no good apart from you. He knows the Lord in that way. He knows that the Lord is His only true hope and help, His only source of all that is good. And so what do we see here with David? We see that, first of all, he's got an inability to remain silent. Uh, his, his heart, it seems here, just overflows. Uh, he, he must speak about the Lord. He must sing about the Lord. Uh, he must share what has happened in his life. Look at verse 3. He says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Yeah, you, you, can get, you can just see this overflowing out of David's experience, out of his knowledge of the Lord. Look down. This is at the end. Look down at verse 16. David says, But may all who seek you Lord, rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Yeah, what a radical change this would represent in a person's life. 
that day after day, it may not always be with those words, great is the Lord, but that's, that's the sense of what is on the mind and the heart continually uh, in all situations, whether driving in the car down the road uh, or walking along the way, sitting together with family, that there's this sense inside, great is the Lord. Uh, you know, your natural bent might be, and, and I know it's true of many of us here, your natural bent might be to kind of withdraw, to be non-expressive uh, with others. Uh, yet, at the heart of this, is one who has come from death to life, from darkness into the light. And so it's kind of like a, you can imagine a, a pot of water that's on the stove that's at full boil, and it's got a lid on the top, and the, and, and the lid begins to shake, and then all of a sudden the lid flies off. That's kind of what we have here. It's an overflowing uh, of thankfulness in the heart because of a knowledge of, of who God is and what He has done. Remember, turn to, to a number of places in, in the Gospel accounts where Jesus had just healed someone of, you know, uh, John chapter 5, of being lame uh, or some other illness or it's a, a spiritual healing in some places. And, and often, not every time, but often He would say, now return to your home and do not tell anyone. It wasn't His time yet uh, to go to the cross. And so He'd say those words, but it's interesting, isn't it, that every time, invariably, it's like the person couldn't remain silent. They would go. Remember in uh, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, this is kind of a spiritual healing, but she's a sinner. Uh, she didn't want to share what happened to her with Jesus, but then she goes and she shares with all the people in the town. What, look at what this, this man has told me. She couldn't hold back. Uh, and that's, that's the sense here. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 9. It says, I have told the glad, glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. You know, notice all the way through this expression of joy that's there. And it's a joy that isn't clearly dependent upon something that, that is fleeting, that is here today and gone tomorrow. Look at what the psalmist says. Uh, he says, Your deliverance, your faithfulness, your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love, your faithfulness. Uh, he's speaking of that which was there in the past. And it's there today. And it will be there tomorrow. This is the God that he depends upon. And therefore, uh, this is the joy that he lives out of. Uh, this calls us to remember the help that we've received from the Lord and not remain silent. And you know, that's really what we're doing here this morning as we gather together. We're here to lift up, lift up praise and thanksgiving to our God as we sing together, as we share with one another to praise Him and to pro proclaim to the world His goodness. And also, you know, seeing and knowing the, the kindness of the Lord, His love for us, leads us naturally, doesn't it, 
to trust in Him. So that the things of this world, which may in the past have, have held such a grip upon us, they become less and less, they lose their attraction for us. Look at verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. We, more and more, as, as, as we come to know the Lord, to trust in Him, we recognize, don't we, the deceit of the world. You know, when I first received Christ and came to know Him, there was a time period in which sometime in which I still held forth that in, in some way that abortion was morally right. I had held that before and I still held that in my mind, but it wasn't long until I began to see that the Lord's heart is for life, that the Lord loves life, that He's the giver of life, spiritual and physical life, and so that to abort a life I began to see it was detestable. That is to stand against the giver of life. And what was happening was the shifting of allegiance where more and more I came to be in line with the Lord's heart and with His desires and, and, and have a desire inside to please Him, to live according to His will. And we see that here in... in uh, Psalm 40 in verses 6 through 8 in an even greater way where it's almost like David's his gratitude to the Lord, it overflows here. Uh, he says here in effect that not only does he know deliverance from the Lord in the past, but he says here, if you look down at verse 7, he, then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. You know, this is an expression of assurance. If, if a person's name was written in the book, it's, it, it's a, a sign of permanence. That it's written in a place that it will not uh, be taken out of. And this is the book, the book that will continue. This is the book of life. And so David knows with certainty that not only has he been freed from death, but he's been given over to life. And therefore, David, out of a heart of love for the Lord, he's, he's wholly dedicated to the Lord. Look at verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. What a beautiful expression. And you can see in those words a joy in the Lord, a love for the Lord. Uh, and, and, and this is the thing that drives David to obedience. And keep that in mind. This is what pleases the Lord. A heart that's given over to Him, that, that desires to do His law. It, it's, it's not outward, the, the outward things. You'll see that in verse 6, in sacrifice and offering, these, these outward that the Jews, uh, they, they thought, if, if we do these things, it will take care of God, will be pleased. Uh, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Uh, but in opposition to that, David is able to say, I delight to do your will, O Lord. Your law is written within my heart. 
You know, this is the, the, the way not only of the Jews, but of every other uh, religion in the world, uh, including liberal Christianity. Uh, it is to perform these acts, this and this and this, and therefore take care of God, to please Him in that, in that way. But David is saying here, no, that's not it at all. Uh, that what pleases the Lord is a heart that's given over to the Lord, a heart that knows His deliverance and that has walked with Him. And therefore, just like the kitten that comes to the door, uh, is, is there crying out to the Lord and saying, You are my, my, my deliverer and my hope and my steadfast love. Uh, you know, what this is designed to do is, uh, for those of us here, if you like David, have experienced deliverance at the hand of the Lord, if you've truly known His goodness delivering you out of death into life, then this should stir up within you what we see with David here. A heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise to the Lord and therefore a life that's lived out of that. And how much greater should that response be when we recognize uh, that as the, the author of Hebrews recognized, that it is the Lord Jesus who ultimately fulfills these words of David. Uh, and he, he did them in our behalf. We are those who are weak and needy. Now that's how David is going to end this psalm uh, down in verse 7. He's going to say, as for me, I am weak and needy. Uh, and so therefore, what hope did David have? What hope do we have? that we're going to be able to do the will of God, especially to the extent that is required and needed. But we know today what David was looking forward to, that it is the Lord Jesus who has done that in our stead. He has taken our place. And He has, he has done this and He has said, I delight to do Your will. Oh my God, Your law is within my heart. He was the only one who could do that and actually do it. And then he's the only one who could triumph over Satan and over evil so that our names could be written in the book of life alongside of the Lord Jesus. He is the one who is our help. He is the one who is our salvation. And what that must do as we recognize what he has done in our lives is to generate this heart of trust in Him, love for Him, thanksgiving to Him. But not only that, uh, but also when we know, when we know this God, we know that He has been our help, then we're able to live with perseverance and with hope in the midst of even the darkest moments. Uh, now you may expect in reading through the first part of this psalm, uh, you may expect that with David, all of his confidence, all of his trust in the Lord, and the joy that's evident there, uh, that he would live his, his days out, all of his days out in harmony and peace and joy before the Lord. And I'll just say, if any, anyone here believes that, then come sit, listen in on our, our men's Bible study as we walk through Second Samuel, uh, because we'll see as we go through that 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 wasn't the case at all. Uh, because... There is tribulation in this world, both because of the sin that is within and the sin that is without. And we will experience this 
uh, in the world. And yet, even through that, and especially through that, when we know God's deliverance, we know His help, we know who He is, He is a tremendous help in the midst of all these things. Now look first. Really, the, the psalm of lament begins with verse 11. And so look at verse 11. Look at what David, just before he goes into the depth of his difficulty, of his sor- sorrow, look at what he grounds himself in out of what he already knows. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. You know, I, I have seen and I've heard from, from many people, uh, believers, who are going through or have been through uh, the, the depths. Uh, just tremendously great loss, uh, tremendous difficulty in the midst of their lives. And yet, to hear these kind of words come out of them uh, at, at, at times, immediately if you hear these kind of words uh, at any point coming out, you can know uh, this is a person who is, they're in the right place. They are, they are grounded. Uh, I can only hope that when I cry out in distress to the Lord as I live my life, that my prayer will begin with words like this. As for you, O Lord, I know you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love, your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Uh, we need that kind of confidence in the Lord and in His help toward us as we live our lives, and especially when it comes to difficulties. And difficulties do come, and they often uh, come. They often come from within, right? And that's what we see first. Look at verse 12. David says, For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. I know that there are some here who have known something of the depth of that kind of a struggle with sin. Uh, A a struggle in which it seems at times. And this is part of the Christian life, isn't it? That as we come to know the Lord, as we come to spend time in His Word and become more and more aligned with Him, what's the nature of that? that we're going to more and more see, it becomes evident, our own hearts, the sin that is there within. And it can seem sometimes, therefore, that although we may take a step forward, it seems like, well, we're taking two steps back. Uh, And yet that is the nature of the Christian life. Uh, But to have this depth of struggle, we've got to recognize this is not outside of the ordinary. This is not what shouldn't ever happen. Don't ever listen to that line, the person who says, no, the Christian life shouldn't be one of struggle with sin uh, because that is a right understanding of, of God's Word, that there is struggle. And so, therefore, we are to put it to death, but there are going to be times when we really struggle in the depths from it. And we can see this in David's words. Uh, and so this should be a, a sense of encouragement to us that this is part and parcel of the Christian life not giving in to sin, not just following sin and following in its ways. You know, not that at all, but the struggle that's there that's inherent and sometimes the great depth of struggle. This is the Lord's provision and He's called us to go through it 
for that which is good for us and ultimately that which draws us closer and closer and in greater dependence upon Him. And no doubt that's what was going on uh, with, with David here. Uh, but that wasn't the only difficulty that, uh, that David was facing here. There's also tremendous trouble coming from the outside. And we can't tell here if he's saying these are happening at the same time uh, or not. But often these do. They, they, they go hand in hand. Look at verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 14. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! And you can see in those last words uh, that's somebody who's gloating over him and who enjoys seeing David uh, in the depths of misery and the depths of pain. Uh, for David, this was life and death. I mean, we, we can see it in, uh, in the terms, who, who seek to snatch away my life. Now, for many of us, the outward opposition that we face, it may not be of this nature. It may not be as extreme. And yet, at the same time, it can seem all-encompassing. Uh, you could have someone who, uh, maybe someone who you knew well, who has acted uh, unjustly toward you in your life. Maybe someone who has ruined your plans. Uh, someone who seems to turn against you and against the Lord at every turn. You know, your heart is to follow the Lord. But at every turn, they're in a position to stand against you. And there are often those who come with very different motives. Uh, and so when it comes to all of this difficulty in David's life, both internal and external, where does David go? Look at verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 13. He says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. This is where David goes. He goes to the same place that he went at the very beginning, wasn't it? He cries out to the Lord, knowing that the Lord is his help. Knowing that the Lord is his provision. Yet here he's able to do it with great confidence in a knowledge and a certainty of who God is to him. God is the one who has delivered him. God is the one who is unchanging. God is the one who is steadfast in his love toward David. God is the one who is always there and calls us to patiently wait upon him. And so what does David do? He calls out to the Lord. And we can see in, in David's words that uh, he was able to face his greatest difficulty, therefore, with perseverance and with a certain hope because he knew the Lord's help and he knew the Lord's deliverance. Think about that again. I go back to that little kitten that was at the door. Uh, you know, she had experienced deliverance at that one point, but again and again and again, and it's still today. Actually, I saw it this morning, and you can go to our, our, our home tonight, and she will be there. She shows up unable to do anything for herself in this sense, yet she knows that there's help to be had there, even at my hands sometimes now. Uh, and so she comes and she receives that help, and she's able to do that because she knows 
the deliverance that she's experienced in the past. And the same is true for us. When we know the Lord, when we walk with Him, when we know that deliverance, then yes, it helps us as we live our lives in the sense of, of giving us this new perspective on life to where we, we have a desire inside to say, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. Uh, but at the same time, when we go through the depths, and there is loss, tremendous loss that comes into this world uh, in our lives, and yet we're able to, to say, you are the God of deliverance. Look at verse 17. Uh, David says, as for me, I am poor and needy. I am without. I am, I am weak. I have often nothing to bring. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. And that is the word that we should place in our own hearts. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. You know, in, in just a minute, we are going to sing that, uh, that hymn, which is going to be new for many of us here and maybe hard to sing. But as we sing these words, hear them. Uh, he lifted me, what great words, in the past. He lifted me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and He set me in a place uh, in which He is my help day after day after day, and my steps, therefore, are secure. Let me say a word of prayer. Father, we thank You that uh, we can have that kind of confidence in You, that kind of knowledge of you, that you are our help and you are our deliverer. You have given us your Holy Spirit. And therefore, we can see and we can know and we can think even the very thoughts of, of God uh, and be able to see and understand and have a desire for your law. And we can receive that help. Uh, that is there for us at all times. Help us to be those who turn readily and often to you and cry out uh, from whatever place our hearts are in and look to you to be our sustenance and our, our help. We thank you for the gifts that you give. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.